0: To get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh my goodness! That's the longest home run to center field we have
2: seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. is now in
1: tc martin show coming away live on a friday kshb and 1400 107.1 fm and also streaming live on the world wide web at the tcmartinshow.com go to show.com for show archives content across the board good times all around chris Wynn, brian feldman in for the doctor today why T.C. Martin's on the road as uh, he gets set for Game 3 of the WNBA Finals as the Aces uh, won the first two games here in Las Vegas, the second one being on Wednesday night as uh, the Aces t- ha- took care of business handily over the Los- uh, the New York Liberty with a big-time win. They are now up two games to none in that series. They are one victory away from repeating as WNBA champions, so T.C. We'll have the call over the weekend on that game over down the dial on ESPN Radio Las Vegas. But uh, we're in for him today. He'll, he will uh, most likely be off uh, next week, too. Hasn't been determined yet, obviously, because uh, all the Aces have to do is win one more game, uh, Brian Feldman. But, uh, always great to co-host with you
3: uh when we're talking sports here in Las Vegas Brian Feldman how are you TGIF man it's Friday the 13th i'm yeah. actually good because Friday the 13th is like a good day for me rather than a bad day how would that shake out uh, you know my in da- that manner, my, daughter my daughter friend? Was, my daughter was born on Friday the 13th oh, okay well that so, makes I all mean, kinds of sense you yeah. know so years and years and years ago and i'm i'm dating myself now but uh, no i i you know it's a great day in Vegas. I, the more I think about it, I love hosting shows, by the way, but right. driving over here again, I'm just thinking to myself, it is crazy Las Vegas right now. I mean, the last two professional teams we've had play was the Aces and then the Golden Knights. They both won championships. The Aces could win it again. So Vegas goes from no professional franchises to in one year, three in like a year and a half, Chris, it's pretty cool, man.
1: The only thing is, the Raiders are going to screw us because they're not going to win the Super Bowl, we're not right? Talking and, about uh, the Raiders, right? Yeah, now. but no, but I'm saying we're saying as a city, as a city of champions, Brian Feldman, they're not. It's not. They're not. They're not holding up. there they're not holding up their end of the bargain. They're not. as still the NFL. They're so not cool going,
3: They're not going to participate in the Super Bowl, but they are going <laughs> to yeah. host it. That, so that is so I mean, true. I mean, how cool so is that, that? Makes
1: up for it, right? right almost, it almost, does. absolutely. I
3: mean, we got F1 coming here in a week. We've no got doubt. we've got NASCAR going on this weekend. You know eventually the A is going to be here, the aviators. This is becoming, I don't want to say a sports mecca. That's a little bit overblown, Chris. I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it is definitely becoming a sports town that we can say we've got the population now. And you know, considering, you know, years ago, no one ever thought there would be a, a sports team in Vegas simply because it's the gambling mecca of the world. <laughs> and it was a big no-no forever. I mean, you've got players that are not in their prospective Hall of Fames because they were gamblers. So here we we are in Vegas now. Two major professional sports franchises. I want to give the aces their due. Also, mm-hmm. another one. Yes. a three. And then you've got uh, baseball right around the corner. Yep. And the funny thing is the one that's not here or being talked about as much yet. The commissioner of the NBA, uh, by the way, Adam Silver. Probably likes Vegas more than any of the other commissioners, and they're not here yet, so you know it's a given that it's only a matter of time before we get an NBA franchise starting to talk Vegas as well.
1: Yeah, and TC talked with Paul McCaskey earlier in the week. I talked to Paul yesterday on a uh, SHAP show about this prospect of uh, an NBA franchise coming here. And I gotta be honest, Brian, and uh, we can, we can maybe uh, have a, have a comment on, uh, or two on this. I'm shocked. That the NBA is not already here. I thought the NBA was gonna be the first franchise that came to Las Vegas. This is a basketball town, obviously, with the history of the UNLV running rebels and that all that that whole thing. Kind of leads into it, but uh, it is not a matter of if; it's a matter of when the NBA franchise is here. Of course, you mentioned the A's. The A's are definitely coming. Okay, it's, it's like a ninety. It's a formality. At this, at it's this point, formality. it's a ninety-nine. Yeah. You know, ninety-eight percent chance that they're going to be coming here. And uh, and yeah, and to that point, also, Brian, uh, the baseball playoffs in full swing. We now have it set as far as the uh, the championship series, both the uh, American League championship series and National League championship series. We will have two Las Vegans. Playing for the Philadelphia Phillies in the National Championship Series. Bryson Stott, Desert Oasis High School. Of course, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, Las Vegas High School. Uh, two Las Vegas uh, prominent guys. We'll be playing for the Phillies as the Phillies take out the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National Championship Series. And then TC Martin's guy. Dusty Baker back in the American League Championship Series as the Houston Astros are set to take on the Texas Rangers as well, too. So uh, uh baseball. How about, how
3: about the X fifty one? X, I believe was a Desert awaits White school. How about Paul Sewald pitching yeah. for the Arizona Diamondbacks? So in that series, you don't you don't only have the two guys. From Philly, you got a couple guys for Arizona that are Vegas guys as well, man. So I am looking so forward to, and I, and I have been, I've been watching probably baseball more this postseason than I have in a long time. I, I don't watch baseball during the regular season. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie to you. Every now and again, I catch a game. Now, when the Tigers are prominent or at least, um, on the, on, on, on the radar, which they close this year in second place. They look the, decent. In they the look American decent. In the other year. Yeah. No, well, not, not too far. I mean, Chris, I'm blown away they won over 70 games, or 68 right. games. I yeah. mean, that's unbelievable, mm-hmm. considering, or 78 games. That's unbelievable, considering that, uh, you know, this team, a lot of people had them slated for last place in the in the AL Central, and yet, here they are, uh, finishing in second behind the Minnesota Twins, who had a good showing. They finally won a playoff series after God knows how many years, and uh, they actually, you know, gave Houston a little bit of a run for their money, splitting the, splitting the, the first two games, and then, of course, bowing out, but um, I like what I'm Seeing. I love the underdog role. Everyone's a fan of the underdogs. If your team's not in it, typically you pull for an underdog. And you look at these matchups. I mean, Chris, everybody on the road, pretty much, other than, of course, Houston, mm-hmm. who always finds their way yeah. in, mm-hmm. has won. I mean, and you're talking about the Atlanta Braves. Everyone's saying I don't see anybody beating the Atlanta Braves in a five, let alone a seven-game series. And yet, the Atlanta Braves just got beat by last year's National League, uh, National League champs, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. And then you look on the other side. I mean, I promise you, there is not a prognosticator, and expert out there that picked the Arizona Diamondbacks over the Los Angeles Dodgers. But you know what? Right under the right, right off the get-go, Chris Clayton Kershaw puts them under the gun, and you. No, I I I talked about it on my show on Sunday and out of line on Sunday morning, uh-huh. and I'll talk about it again now. Clayton Kershaw is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. He is yeah. one of the best pitchers that's ever put on a Los Angeles Dodgers jersey, and yet he is Absolutely, and I'm just going to say it flat out. put putting punches. He sucks in the postseason. It's just that simple. I mean, one postseason he played well in, and that was the year of the pandemic when they only had a 60 game regular season. Kershaw's always great in the middle of the campaign. You talk about mid July, he's pitching his best ball. He wears down, especially now that he gets older. The curveball used to be dominating, not dominating anymore. Yeah. He he could rely on that to help strike people out. That fastball is three to four miles an hour per hour slower than it was before. He doesn't have the same juice, and when he wears down at the end of the season now, we really see what happens. And my God, that first game, uh, granted, all you got to do is get into Kershaw's melon because the first one, I can't remember... He hit the fly ball out to left field, and the guy dropped it, Mm -hmm. simply. And you saw Kershaw pound his glove, say a few superlatives to himself, and you knew, oh, no, here it goes, and the floodgates open from that point forward. Six runs, he's off the mound in a third of an inning. Unbelievable, Chris. And I don't see it getting any better for Kershaw in the future as he gets older next year. I don't know what happens to him. That's a topic for another show. But But the position is Clayton Kershaw, man. I mean, would you say... He's a Hall of Famer, and yet, disappointing career. I mean, do you say that? How do you, how do you put in perspective when this guy in the it, postseason?
1: It, it, I, you know what it reminds me of, Brian? It kind of kind of goes down the lines of Mike Trout, right? I think about Mike Trout in that what could have been if he actually went to a franchise that had success in the postseason, right? Mike Trout going to go down with one of the greatest players of all time without question, is going to be, again, like Clayton Kershaw, a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Well,
3: this team's got to get in the postseason. Yeah, but,
1: but, but twice. postseason success, there's been none. Yeah, there's I mean, been absolutely yeah. none, right? You think about the Angels and postseason success, you're going back to 2002, obviously, right, against yeah. the Giants. So I, I, I kind of think of it along the same lines as him as far as an every-eight player, right, as opposed to a pitcher. To your point, Brian, that you brought up, though, about the Houston Astros, right, the only division winner to advance. Baseball fans and talking heads in baseball and those of us in the sports media very surprised that teams like the Atlanta Braves, like the Baltimore Orioles, are still not in the postseason. And Brian, this leads to the debate, I'll call it, or the kind of beef that people have with baseball and how they conduct their playoffs now, man. Because you think about it, it kind of uh, makes the 162-game season not seem like or mean a whole, much, a whole lot. When you've got the teams that are the worst teams that are in the playoffs, advancing in the playoffs, and the teams that were, you know, electrifying and solid throughout the entire regular season, you know, now knocked out and, and going home and making tea times, brother, you know? So, uh, d- does there lead into credence to that, Brian Feldman? When you think about, uh, you know, hey, it's a, uh, it's, you know, it's a long regular season, and now you've got, uh, you know, teams that were, uh, that, uh, I want, I don't want to say snuck into the postseason, but they were not the better teams in the postseason advancing.
3: It's always been, in my opinion, baseball's always been too long of a season. I, I sarcastically say I didn't watch any games. Of course, I've watched a couple of games or something, but there's so many games. Every year I watch opening day. I love the Midsummer Classic. It's the best all-star competition of any of the four major sports by, by far. Mm-hmm. And I watch the postseason and I'm happy that the postseason now consists of more teams. I used to think it was so unfair fair to play 162 games, two teams from each league get in, and then it's a five-game series in the playoffs and a seven-game series in the World Series. I always thought that was ridiculous. I'm glad they have stepped it up. But yeah, Chris, this is shocking. I mean, it's really shocking. When you look at the top five seeds throughout the season you have three teams that won over 100 games let me tell you something you know how hard it is to win 100 games in a regular season in a 162 game season ridiculous atlanta braves 104 and 58 gone in the first round as a matter of fact as chris just mentioned this team literally had not lost back, Had not lost back-to-back games at home all season they had never been shut out all season and in game one they were shut out in the playoffs. That's unbelievable considering their their battery, both pitching and hitting. So what? what I mean, just an absolutely du- people consider them a juggernaut. There's no way the Blazers aren't winning. Then you look at the Orioles, best season they've had in a while: 101 wins, 61 losses, second best team this year in the regular season in professional baseball. Gone in the first round. Swept out of the, swept out of it. See you later. The bye teams. Then you've got the Dodgers. A lot of people around here, big time Dodgers fans. You can't really say anything bad about the Dodgers or people look at you funny. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's almost a Dodgers town here. What I'm realizing when it comes to baseball. Dodgers bounced in the first round. One of the biggest salaries in Major League Baseball. Bounced in the first round. They go out and get guys like Mookie Betts, like Freddie Freeman, to come and shore this team up and make them great. And they were Freddie Freeman had an unbelievable major league season, MVP style end season, but yet bounced in the first round. And then you look down, wildcard teams: Tampa Bay Rays, 99 wins, 63 losses, can't get out of the wildcard round in the three games. And then the Milwaukee Brewers, 92 and 70, another team, home field advantage. Bounced in the first round. You gotta go down. It's funny. The record, the record to have this year was 90 wins, 72 losses. All three teams with 90 wins and 72 losses got in are are right now still alive in their championship league championship series. The Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies and Texas Rangers. And then the last team to qualify for the Major League Baseball playoffs. My kind of team favorite right now, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Finally in Arizona, they have something to get excited about again. And let me tell you something. This team might have been the last team to qualify. Chris for the yes. postseason but the Arizona Diamondbacks I would strongly suggest not sleeping on this bunch, this bunch, or they will just flat out beat you.
1: Okay, Brian. Uh, there's four teams left in the playoffs. Of course, three of those teams have won World Series titles. When you talk about the Arizona Dimebacks, the magical run back in 2001, obviously the Philadelphia Phillies have had multiple World Series titles. Uh, most recently in the World Series last year, right? With that nice run, uh, where it came to a close. Obviously the Astros have won World Series as well. I'm kind of, I I gotta say, Brian Feldman, I'm kind of in the camp leaning on
3: the Strangers.
1: Texas Rangers, man. I love seeing the story as a, as a guy who doesn't have the dog in the fight anymore because we're both Detroit Tigers, you know, old English D guys here in studio for TC. I am, I want to see the Texas Rangers pull that out. We saw them on the cusp there in the mid 2010s. They had, you know, quality teams there that just could not get over the hump, right? You you saw this Texas Rangers team come down the stretch. It was if it was it was kind of touch and go. Iffy, if this team was even gonna make the playoffs, right? Because of uh the log jam that was the American League West as well as the American League playoffs set setup. But uh the you know, the the acquisition of Max Scherzer, you know, they brought in some you know big time free agents and, and Seeger and some others there with the Texas Rangers. I gotta tell you, man, I'm kinda leaning towards I wanna see them, uh, you know, get capture that first ever World Series crown for that franchise down there.
3: Chris, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the Rangers and the, the, you know, the, the fact they haven't won a World Series in the past and they've had some greats throughout their history on, on the different Rangers teams. But, um, this team and, and, and especially the way they got into the postseason, they pretty much had the division locked up forever. They did. They had the division. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, Houston slides in there. Texas goes on a little skid in the last weekend, and Houston slides in and grabs the division. And now I'm wondering, you know, is, is, uh, is, the, is that the best division in baseball? Yeah. I mean, because you got the two teams that are both in the ALCS now. But I like the Rangers a lot. But the, what I was saying is, you talked about the team and you mentioned Corey Seeger as one of the free agents that got to bring it. You and I may know, but it's funny when I talk about the Rangers to other friends, like, who plays for the Rangers?
1: Who's on that team? And you I, can play the game of and, uh can and you even, name their their starting rotation? Even baseball and can't name maybe two?
3: baseball enthusiasts know Corey Seegers on that team. Right. A couple people because he's got a unique name and he's a pretty damn good defensive third baseman. Josh Jung, a lot of people mm-hmm. might know him a little bit. Yeah. But you've got some other great guys. Marcus Seaman, hell of a baseball player, one of the better second basemen in the in, in, in probably the American League. You know, uh Garver. I mean, he comes in and DHs. This guy can knock the cover off the ball. And how about Adolis Garcia? Uh another name that People aren't talking about, but the point is, yeah. these are names we haven't heard of. But people, guess what? You're about to. Hey, listen, I just wanted to say give us a call 702 221 7283, right? And, and uh, you know, if you, if you're interested in chiming in, we are Absolutely. more than happy to get. Plus, we are going to be giving away in a little bit. TC wanted me to mention mm-hmm. there is a, a giveaway today. It's happening this Sunday, starting at 10 a.m., the Raiders versus the Patriots at Slice of Vegas. It's located inside the Mandalay Bay shops in the mall between Mandalay Bay and Luxor. All you can eat and drink. Great food from Slice and Who Songs. Uh, you can come by, watch the early games and eat and drink for free. Call in now, 702 2217 and win your way into the private vip raider indoor tailgate party inside the marquee room at slice of vegas food drinks and games all for free give us a call we will put you in there i know i'm going to be down there i get done with my show on sunday night or sunday morning and i'm going straight there i got to get dropped off right now because my engine blew up
1: i was actually going to go to it on monday but we were covering the uh the lakers nets preseason game so i wasn't able to get down there but uh uh, yeah, it was, that's a good time. Yeah. As far it as, uh, it a, should a be pre, a great time. A pre-Raider game setup. Uh, you can't go wrong with yeah, the slice. And, of and
3: Raiders, uh, Raiders got off the snide. We'll yeah. talk, we're going to talk about them a little bit later on. But back to this, Chris. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at it, and, and again, when I try to slice everything up in Major League Baseball, and you can argue with me if you want about it, not you. I know, uh, we probably have similar feeling. I like the Astros for one and only one reason. What's the reason I like the Astros? Dusty Baker? You know, uh, you know what? Hey, I'll say Dustin.
1: I'm Baker. just tossing it out there. You I, no, put me on the spot. No, I threw it out there. I have no idea why there's one other name. And I can't. Sure. OK, so now now it comes to fruition. It comes right to my mind. It's Justin
3: Verlander, yes, because well, we have the connection. I was going to say obviously. Justin Verlander's wife, but no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Justin Verlander. You would be wrong there, Ju- 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 Justin, Ju- Justin Verlander, for yeah. sure. How can you
1: not But he already won a ring, though. So, Brian, let's put our cards on the table here, okay?
3: They already won a ring. I know, but it's not you that. You
1: know there's that. There's still that. It's, it's kind of a dissipated cloud, but there's still kind of a cloud over that. Anybody that's not an Astros fan... You're wearing Chris, cam- you wearing a wire, Chris? Are you wearing a wire right now? Can still you is not my in sign? the camp. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, Feldman. Do. They're still do. not in the camp of the Houston Astros. As I mean, yeah. Like, look, it has it has tampered down a bit. Okay, people aren't really fired up about it as they were two, you know, two three years ago. But there still is that essence. I'll I'll use the word essence, Brian Feldman, out there that people are rooting against the Astros and especially, especially. Because Texas has never won it. So that's, I think that's kind of leads into it as well.
3: No, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'll tell you right now, the thing with with, that I laugh about is, I don't hate on the Astros for one reason. The Detroit Tigers have their manager of that squad. So, because A.J. Hinge is in Detroit, I kind of be quiet about it, because I actually I think he is a bright spot for the Tigers organization. Yeah. He's not wiring the Tiger players, as I know of, (laughs) as of yet. But no, I really like Hinge. I think he Uh is an excellent manager, and I think you know it's a shame that a guy like Altuve was wearing wires. When Altuve doesn't need anything, he could See, he could hit the fat, the best guy that pitches with one eye closed. I mean, he is that good of a postseason player. It amazed me that they resorted to that when they didn't need to with the players they have in this team. But you are right. There's a bitter taste in everyone's mouth. I don't like the Astros because of it. But the reason I like Justin Verlander is he is up there in age. He's pushing forty years old yep. now, Chris. He is a, a multiple time Cy Young Award winner, an MVP Award winner, and a guy that is going to be probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. in what the oh, case. he is. Yeah. But, but but you say it so but yet, think about this. He is going to end his career. There is no doubt about that. He will have less than 300 wins. That used to be a benchmark. But it's not because in the day and days, with all these specialty pitchers and stuff, you're lucky if you can stay in the game for six and a half innings. So so I get it, but that's what I love about it. Justin Verlander Plus, like I said, Kate Hudson, I mean, how can you not love that, for God's sakes? And, uh, but I'm tired of the Astros. That's the only thing I like about them. I am definitely really pulling for the Angels right now. I like the Baltimore Orioles. I'm a little sad that they had such a great season and they bowed out the way that they did when they were such an exciting team all year to watch and they just flat out disappeared in the, and you thought, man, it was so ripe for them to win because of the way the Rangers backed into the playoffs yeah. by losing the division on the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost a tiebreaker to the Houston Astros is how they got, they lost their division. But, um, I still look at the Houston Astros. I look at the experience they have. I look at the coach Dusty Baker, a guy, by the way, I respect and like a great deal. I know he's a good friend of TCS, but I like him a lot. Right. Um, and I like their, their makeup. This team just has chemistry. They've had chemistry for years. And like I said, that little guy Jose, Jose Altuve is one of the best postseason players in, in modern in modern times.
1: I yeah, mean, and, and if, if we're talking reality, we're talking about facts. Okay, this Houston Astros team, especially from an Bregman, off- when I mean, you look at when you look at their offensive lineup, right, Brian? You're talking about a team when they're clicking on. A Slenders, it's as good as any in baseball mm. offensively this is a team that's going to be very difficult for that uh for that texas rangers pitching staff to no deal doubt. with so right now you're looking at the astros and uh, i don't have the numbers in front of me but i expect the astros are probably a short favorite to win well, that series uh, they are. over the texas the
3: astros i believe you know it's yeah. funny um th- that that Philadelphia, I believe, is was like favored to win the World Series now, which was just kind of humorous that I thought. But I, the Astros are still a team that people are going to be fear Chris. They're going to be worried about them. This team shows up in the postseason every single year, and they're a team that makes a run, and that's what ends up happening. I like them to win the World Series. As far as if I had to predict, I would say I like them to win the World Series. Sorry, T.C. Sorry, Dusty. I don't want them to win the World Series. I'm with you, Chris. I'm probably jumping on the Rangers' bandwagon, and right now, to me, the ideal World Series as we go to break. Man, how cool would it be to have the Texas Rangers playing the Arizona Diamondbacks? And what would the odds have been on that World Series at the beginning of the 2023 campaign, I wonder. Listen, it is time for us to take a break. You are listening to the TC Martin Show. Brian Feldman, along with Chris, when we are pinch hitting for the doctor today, he of course is in New York with the Aces trying to wrap up their second consecutive WNBA title. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen in Game Three. I don't think New York comes back from this. I think that they they looked mentally defeated when I was sitting in the press conference a couple of days ago. But listen, we'll be back in a minute. You are again, once again, TC Martin Show every Monday through Friday. Right here at from 2 to 4 o'clock. We'll see you in a minute. Hey everyone, this is Carnell, aka Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show.
1: T.C. Martin Show coming away live on a Friday. Numbchuck always looking out for our Detroit guys, Chris Wynn and Ryan Feldman. In for the doctor today, who's on the road in the Big Apple. And we'll be doing Game 3 of the WNBA Finals over the weekend. By the way, T.C. will be joining the show at the 3 o'clock hour to talk uh, a little preview action of Aces, Liberty. Also in the 3 o'clock hour, Dave Gosher is going to join us. Voice of the Vegas Golden Knights who have back to back 4 1 victories to start the season. First in the season opener against Seattle, then they knock off the San Jose I would Sharks. Say he's the
3: face. Wouldn't Dan will be the voice? And Dave Dan Duva's the, the voice.
1: Dan Gosher, the TV voice of Scripps Sports now, formerly and of ATT Sportsnet, now Script Sports. So. Yeah, but, they're both, but, but Feldman, they're both voices, right? Basically. And uh, a lot of great stories from both Dan Duva as well as Dave Gosher. So Dave will join us in the 3 o'clock hour as well to, to break down all things VGK as they get set for uh, a weekend game tomorrow night here at T-Mobile Arena. Got a chance to break down some of the Major League Baseball playoffs in the first segment now get a chance to talk, uh, Little Raiders as, uh, they hosted the Green Bay Packers on Monday. Get the win. Snap that losing streak, Brian Feldman. And, uh, you were there cover the game in person for Monday Night Football. Quite a spectacle there, right? For Monday Night Football. Got a chance to see, uh, you know, Jack Eichel and the VGKers yeah. there, uh, getting honored at halftime. I saw the halftime interview Jack Eichel, by the way, too, with the Stanley Cup up there. That's, uh, that was, dude, Jack Eichel's just great at that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just kind of his, his, uh, his uh, window is uh, getting a chance to kind of promote uh, and be uh, the face of that team. So that was great to see that. But uh, you got a chance to uh, to talk to one of the prominent members of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders.
3: Yeah, you know, Monday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium, there's nothing like uh, Monday Night Football in general. You know, one of the what, uh, absolutely an icon in American sports since the 70s. And, um, you know. Allegiant Stadium, if you live in Las Vegas and you haven't at least gotten out there and checked it out, been to a concert or something, it is absolutely an architectural uh, just marvel. Just marvel. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it is one of the nicest stadiums. And, you know, the only thing that bothers me about Allegiant Stadium is they made it retractable on the side where it opens up to the strip in mm-hmm. the highway. And yet they've never opened it. I'm starting to wonder if that's a bunch of crap or if it really opens because I'll tell you what, that first Monday, that first game against the Steelers, it was beautiful outside and I was amazed. It's like, if you're ever going to open that to the outside, there's not wind out there. It's not going to affect the game. Open the damn thing. We all want to see it. What does it look like open? Hopefully one day they will. Maybe if I keep complaining about it on, on radio shows, they'll open the damn thing up. But no, Chris, it was really cool and the atmosphere. The, the, another thing that's bothersome and we've seen it at night's game is if I would have closed Close my eyes maybe four or five times during the day. I would have thought I was in Green Bay, except for the weather. Uh, that bothers me. Yep. It bothers me that so many people from other teams come in, and a lot of people that own Raiders tickets are selling them to Green Bay fans. Now You can't stop that. that that's just part of the way that it is. But the bothersome is, is that's telling the Raiders, we're not interested in your product. You guys aren't good enough for us to be interested, so a lot of people sell their tickets.
1: Well, I'll bounce this off you, though, Feldman. There is, there is I will say this. It was the first game ever. That the Packers have played here, so there's going to be that element, right, for the first four, five, six years, in some cases, eight years, right? Because our team, Brian, the Detroit Lions, will not be here. We have our not. Detroit yet... Lions fan, you know way... what I'm saying though, it all, and I know it, all, all the listeners out there, like it all comes back to Detroit for you guys, eh? No, always. I'm trying to make a point here. The Packers is the first time ever the Green Bay Packers have played in Las Vegas. No, Chris. So that, so I'll, I'll, I'll give them a pass, I guess, a little bit in this game that it, that 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 was a reason why it was probably 60 40 green bay packer fans to to raider fans
3: i would say more like 65 yeah. 35 right. it was yeah. it, it was loud but chris my the, my point is mm-hmm. detroit lions fans okay Right now, we're happy. A lot of people are celebrating out there prematurely. But I, but hey, I will say this about the Detroit Lions, and I'm sorry if I'm going down that road again. Cumulatively, this is the best Detroit Lions fan I have seen in my lifetime to this point. Team. And that's yeah. crazy. Now, have they had better players? Of course. This team does not have a Barry Sanders. This team does not have a Calvin Johnson. But they have very comparable, skilled players in skilled positions, and the best offensive line I think I've ever seen for the Lions. I know they had a really good one back in 91, back when they had Lomas Brown and Kevin Glover and Eric Andelsack. They were really good, okay? But this offensive line has the potential to be great. Penny Sewell might be, Chris, one of the greatest offensive linemen I've ever seen, and he's only in, what, his third season in the NFL. It scares me to think of the upside of team, but my point is on the Lions, and the Packers, the Packers fans, yes, it's the first time they're in Legion Stadium. Yes, we're good fans. Yeah. What are you coming here for? You guys aren't going to do crap this year. The Lions <laughs> fans, if we were lousy, we wouldn't come to here to watch the game. We would, we might come to Vegas, but we're going to be out doing things. We're not going to waste our time at the stadium watching a garbage football team. And I'm sorry, Green Bay, garbage. Uh eh, that might be a little bit harsh. But, but, not, you, really. but me, not really. But not really this me, year. Let me tell you something. Let me tell if you the something. the Detroit no, Lions do not. not win the NFC North division this year, Chris, it will be my biggest heartbreak today because there is absolutely no excuse. This team should not only not win their division, and I don't care who they play in the playoffs, they should win a playoff game this season. Let
1: me tell you something, Brian Feldman. As someone who's looked at sometimes as a mush and sometimes as a fade handicapper and, and as a Detroit Lions fan, right, so I have my opinions, right, when it comes to the Lions, I can confidently say soundly and quietly and normal. Detroit's going to win the division. The Lions are going to win the division. They're the best team in the division. Their schedule lines up well for them. They are a quality football team, as you pointed out, for all those reasons. But circling back to this game, between the Raiders and the Packers, how sweet is it, Brian Feldman, as being fans of the Honolulu Blue and Silver To see Green Bay lose, it's just awesome.
3: Yeah, that's part of the reason you go to the game. It was, you know, it scared me for a minute. You know, as 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 the Raiders toyed with them, um, it was nice to see Jimmy G and these guys get Mm -hmm. a win. It was nice to go in the locker room and see just a half a smile on Josh Jacobs' face because they have been pretty bitter this year, and it's just been justifiable their bitterness. Um, I think the team has been mishandled by the coaching staff. I think that, that they have mismanaged the clock. Now, Spencer argued with me, and Spencer is a much bigger Raiders fan, and he is a walking Raiders encyclopedia, and the Wiz argued with me that mm-hmm. he he thinks I'm being a little bit harsh on Josh McDaniel. I'll say the jury's out. I don't think he should be fired this year yet. I think he should be given this season, but the bottom line is, I need to see this team improving. I need to see them coached right. I need to see them making right decision, not calling timeouts at inopportune times, and 100% not making Stupid plays and being aggressive enough. Because again, the worst coaching t- decision I have seen this year, and I've probably watched maybe twenty games of football with what mm-hmm. I've recorded and so far. The worst coaching t- decision by far was when when they the, they were in the the what what game was it the uh, the Pittsburgh game the Pittsburgh game where the
1: call on fourth, fourth down. down. Yes. First of
3: all, they got a first down, they got a reprieve, and they mm-hmm. got to move the ball up. They were inside of the ten yard line. It was fourth down, and they were eight points down, and there was about less than three minutes to go in the football game. At that point in time. Time, you have to go for the touchdown because if you if you get the field goal, you still need a touchdown. And if you don't get the touchdown, you still need a touchdown. The only difference is yeah, you got to convert a two-point conversion. But what is the difference with that amount of time? And plus, you're guaranteed if you don't make it, you pin them inside of the 10-yard line, and then you're going to rely on your defense. When I asked Josh Jacobs about that, he literally said to me, I go, you know what? All he did is he looked at me, rolled his eyes, and said I, I guess we were relying on our defense. He knew damn well he wanted to go for that. But turn things around they go forward they get off the snide they played decently in la Mm -hmm. and now they come home and they get what they what was to me a must win against the green bay packers and after the game there's always mosh pits in the uh in the in the game and after the game um i got a chance to talk to a guy with one of the best names in the national football league he is the devil the divine devil known as divine diablo and this is how that went Vine Diablo, first win of the year at Allegiant Stadium, man. How big was this for you guys? It
2: was huge, man. We needed that, uh, I won't say boost of confidence, but we needed this
3: for the team, and um, we practiced hard this week, so we expected it. Talk about defensively, yours locker made two down, Spillane gets an interception. He gave the credit to Marcus Peters, saying he knew he couldn't get it, so he tipped it up, knowing somebody behind him would get it. That's pretty cool.
2: That, that is pretty cool. Rob
3: is a great guy. He'll give everybody else the credit for himself, but he played an amazing game, and two interceptions, that speaks for itself. Talk about the overall thing. Monday night football, you guys are down. You hang in there. That missed field goal, you still didn't go down yet. You knew you had to shore it up on defense, and you did the job. Yes, sir. As a defense, we knew we had to, um, you know, just buckle up and come and play. Uh, We kept saying it's our time. We wanted to reset every series, good or bad, and that's what we did. It's crazy how long you guys have been away from Allegiant Stadium, you know, even from the preseason. Now you get back-to-back games. Is it nice to know you had another one at home next week to maybe follow this one up? Yes, sir. It's amazing. And um, the, the fans showed up. Today, and hopefully, that's all next week. What is it going to take for this team now to get a winning streak consistently? You win a game, a big game on Monday night, but now you guys got to go forward. It's one and done and move forward. Like you said, uh, consistency. We just got to be consistent with it. Uh, we got to play good in all phases special teams, offense, and defense. As long as we play as a team, I think we'll be fine. Last question character of this team, how would you define it?
0: Character of this team? Yeah. Hungry.
3: Uh, we'll always fight, no matter what. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Hungry's always good. Hungry from the Hokey Man out of Virginia Tech, and uh, I like Divine Diablo. You know, I liked him last year, Chris. He's a guy that when you watch him play, it seems like his motor's always running. He's one of those linebackers that that is involved. He gets involved. Spillane played well. Two interceptions in that game against Green mm-hmm. Bay, and he gave credit. You know, he he wouldn't take credit. He gave credit to Marcus Peters for tipping the ball up and then he got it. I liked what I saw out of the Raiders as far as getting the win. I liked the locker room. I like some of the players. Um, and I know you've got a take on what what, what yep. the Wiz said, and I do want to hear that because, you know, I still feel like I said, I just don't think Josh McDaniels is the guy for the job. And one of the things you saw in Sunday's paper, if you got a chance to see the special Raiders section, you know, they talked about coming to town, obviously was uh, the Raiders' ex-coach that was a, our inter-guy, Rich Basaccia mm-hmm. who is now the special teams coach and the assistant head coach for the Green Bay Packers. And a lot of play, Raiders players chimed in about Rich Passaccia. Two very prominent ones in, in Josh Jacobs, and then you also had Max Cross. And Max says, I talk to, I talk to Rich Passaccia every week. I love him. He's like family. And these guys were just talking about how much they miss him and what a great guy he was. You don't do that when the guy's coming to town when your coach is out in the hot seat unless you don't like your coach, Chris.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, uh, it's a big win to get to snap that three-game losing streak. You beat a team in Green Bay that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're supposed to beat because you're a better football team, I think the Raiders are, than the Packers are. Now you get a chance to do that again this week against the likes of the New England Patriots, right? Where they're they're solid favorites in this game at home against a uh you know, a perennial Super Bowl contender for multiple years that which they are no longer in that place. But uh Talking about Josh McDaniels, right, you brought up, of course, your co-host, your producer, uh, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski, that uh, hosts the show with you out of line on Sunday mornings over on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 9 a.m., and talked about uh, being too hard on Josh McDaniels. Now, Brian, really? I mean, are we really being too hard on Josh McDaniels when we criticize him for making moves that are questionable at best? We just talked about it, that call on fourth down against the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, there's been numerous other examples in which Josh McDaniels has made either questionable calls or just flat out Wrong calls. Mismanagement. Man- when, when it comes to being a head coach in the National Football League. So I don't necessarily think that we're being too hard on Josh McDaniels. This is supposed to be the guy's bread and butter is offensive football in the NFL. This is what he's supposed to be good at. And we, we can, we can highlight numerous times, Brian Feldman, in which Josh McDaniels has, has uh, either failed or has screwed up. Opportunities from an offensive standpoint where they have underachieved as a football team offensively, right? Where you're, spo- you're, you have one of the best running backs in football in Josh Jacobs, right? You have arguably the best wide receiver in Devontae Adams. You have a guy that was a pro bowler in Hunter Renfro who up until about two games ago was pretty much MIA in the game plan and didn't even show up. And, uh, you know, look, you could argue that, you know, uh, obviously you had a quarterback in the for the Green Bay Packers who had three interceptions in the game like look one of them was tip whatever and uh you brought up Roberts Blaine by the way uh, Western Michigan Bronco just a, just a heads up um so he and uh Matt Crosby both uh Matt guys but I digress Brian Feldman Uh, You could argue the defense won that football game for them last week. Not their offense, right? They won the game 17-14, to but it wasn't like the offense was ultra-explosive. Nobody's looking at Jimmy Garoppolo right now and saying, oh my God, this guy's lighting the world on fire with, with offensive stats. So to circle back, I mean, Josh McDaniels, I think a lot of the criticism is absolutely justified when it comes to him as a head coach in this league. We saw what happened to Denver. We don't need to reiterate over that. And we see what's happened here in Vegas. And yes, it's it's been a relatively short period of time, but it's still, I think, a uh, fair game. To criticize him when it comes to his coaching decisions as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders,
3: we all know Bill Belichick's disciples <laughs> do not do that well. They're not out there writing any kind of New Testaments, okay? His disciples kind of right. fail, and Josh McDaniels is one of Bill Belichick's disciples. And matter of fact, ironically, uh, Bill Belichick will be in town this weekend. I'll get to go to one of his press conferences where he talks about like this. Did you understand what I said? That's listening to Bill Belichick. We're on to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're moving on to yeah, Las Vegas. We're, we're, we're done with this. Yes. I told you already. I mean, that's, but, but the bottom line is Bill Belichick, you know, people are going to tell you he's the GOAT in coaching. And I'm not going to argue with that at all. This guy has been unprecedented. Granted, Tom Brady had a lot to do with that, but so did the defenses that this guy has coached over his career. When you've heard guys like Rex Ryan, uh, and, and he might not be the perfect example. Maybe Bill Parcells is better, but say things like Bill Belichick is the best defensive mind they've ever seen. And by the way, uh, a guy like Bill Parcells is very, was very cozy for a long time with Buddy Ryan and mm-hmm. Buddy Ryan arguably one of the best defensive minds ever came up with that unbelievable 86 defense mm-hmm. with the with the Chicago Bears so the fact that people say that about Bill Belichick that I respect tremendously tells you what kind of coach he is. But as far as Josh McDaniels goes, Chris, you're 100% right. This guy does deserve to be on the hot seat. There are so many times when you see him on the sidelines or even in the press conferences after the games, and he's staring off into space like the old proverbial Darren Headlights. And I don't want to say he's a bad coach. I want to say the jury's still out, and yes, I believe he deserves the rest of the season. But I need to see this team more cohesive by the end of the season. I need this team to properly be using their timeouts. I need to see this team maybe with a tad more aggressiveness at times and maybe a tad less aggressiveness at other times. That's what a good coach does. He does all the things I just mentioned. When you're, and when you're talking about this team right now, even talking about the quarterback situation, he went all in on Jimmy Garoppolo when he shipped Derek Carr off to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo was his guy. Well, you know, you're banking on a guy that Throughout his career, has thrown some very inopportune interceptions. Jimmy G is usually good for one of those a game. That's what you're going to get with Jimmy Key. But then I ask mm-hmm. you, Chris, you know, in in the in the um in the game against Pittsburgh, we knew Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to play. He was in concussion protocol. Everyone thought, uh, you know, that, that it was going to be Brian Hoyer. I right. Mean, he's the backup. He's, a, he's also a Josh McDaniel guy that Josh McDaniel got to work with when he was in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo. The two of those guys are friends. And yet he goes down to Aiden O'Connell, who had a very nice preseason for the Raiders, earned himself a spot on the team, not even on the practice squad. This guy dresses every week. So usually you'll see the third quarterback on the practice squad. They put him down. They, they, he's on the sidelines, but is Aiden O'Connell, Chris, a guy that you see morphing into a future quarterback that's going to be a perennial starter for the Las Vegas Raiders? Or do you think he's more or less a third teamer that at best is a stopgap and they still maybe need to start thinking about who is going to be the future of this team? I know it's very early. We don't have a good sample size, but I saw him put the ball on the ground three times mm-hmm. against Pittsburgh in a bad way. Granted, it's his first game and he was thrown to the wolves and everything like that. But then I look, I look across the bay, uh, to the west, to the northwest of us and I see a guy named Brock Purdy, who yes, he has a better offensive line. Yes, he might have the best skill position players around him in the National Football League, mm-hmm. but still Brock Purdy was thrown into the fire as Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Relevant and makes great decisions right off the get-go, left and right. Is Aiden is Aiden uh, O'Connell one of those guys? Well, here's my answer.
1: I, I don't know, and that's not a candy ass answer, by the way, Brian Feldman. You know why? Because we've only seen him in preseason really do anything productive. And by the way, preseason, I'm sorry, he just doesn't carry a lot of weight with me because we've seen it across the board. Uh, again, go back to our Detroit Lion fandom. We've seen, you know, preseason teams be great. Players play great in preseason. They don't even sniff the regular season. They never even make the roster or they never even get a shot, especially when we talk about quarterbacks. They don't even make the league. They don't even play in any meaningful regular season games. So it's the jury is still way out. On Aiden O'Connell. I thought the reason to start him instead of, instead of Brian Hoyer was a decision made by Josh McDaniels that was kind of along the lines of, we, we love what we've just most recently seen have success, right? We saw Aiden O'Connell play well in the preseason. So the idea is that, okay, maybe let's give him a shot. We know what Brian Hoyer is. We know what Brian Hoyer brings to the table. And so let's give this kid a shot. They gave him a shot and he didn't come through in his first game. And so, uh, again, we just don't know yet. What's going to happen with respect to this Raider team, though, Brian? Um, they we're we're gonna the rubber's gonna meet the road because you're gonna see them play the they're gonna they're they're a short favorite against the Patriots coming up this week. They're a three point favorite in this game. You could argue in for the next five games they're going to be favorite. I mean, not you cannot argue that is the case. Uh, they haven't put up a line yet for that Jets game after. Uh, the Giants game, where they play back-to-back New York teams, but they're favored in this game against the Patriots. They're favored in Chicago next week against the Bears, a short favorite, one-point favorite in that game. Uh, They are dogs on Monday night against our Detroit Lions, where they uh, are six-and-a-half-point dogs in that one on the consensus line. And then they're favorites against the Giants back here at Allegiant Stadium, and then uh, the Jets game's still off the board. And then they're, they're big dogs against the Dolphins. The point being is that they should. They should win four out of the five next games. They should. They're better a football team than all these teams are playing that they're favored over. Uh, I don't think they're winning the Detroit game, but the point. My point is, is that um, you, you know, you got to win these games that you're supposed to win. They wouldn't. Especially the next five, if, Kristen, if you want to beat Josh McDaniels, you want to be the coach that's ex- the coach that maybe could be going places here in Vegas as a head coach in the NFL. You got to go four and one in these next five games, uh, just because of the schedule. And just because of the expectations you have as a coach here in
3: Vegas, yeah, I would say that, Chris. I, I the, the, you look at the next, the next, the next handful of games, and they are completely all winnable. And as you said, the Raiders should be favored in all of them. Talking about Aiden O'Connell, what does he mean to this team? What's he going to be? Well, put it this way: He left Purdue. Purdue is hosting Ohio State, and Ohio mm-hmm. State's a much better game than Purdue. But they're almost twenty-point underdogs at home. If you're, I promise you, if Aiden O'Connell was still with Purdue, they would be maybe about a six and a half to a seven-point underdog at yeah. home. That's the difference that he makes i mean he was a great college quarterback i i don't know and i, and I agree the jury is still out on him um as far as this team goes and winning for the next five games like you said in theory they should i mm-hmm. don't see that happening mm-hmm. i could even see them winning only two of the next five games because they're a team now that finds a way to do the wrong thing now they didn't against the, the, the we, we got to see them play well monday night against green bay but i saw them lay an egg at the most. Inter- to- inopportune time against a Pittsburgh team that had just been throttled the week before. Now they might've been a little bit motivated, but Vegas should have played better in that game and they should have won the game. They had the opportunity to play Pittsburgh, to, to win and beat Pittsburgh and they didn't. Well, so
1: yeah, let me take a deeper dive though. As far as that green Bay Vegas game, I mentioned earlier in the show, they had three interceptions in the game, the Raiders, right? Yeah. Still only won the game by four points. And Oh, by the way, the packers had a chance to to win the game at the end of the game so again we shouldn't be sitting back if you're not all you know deep into raider nation if you're not silver and black through and through if you're not a raider fan like you and I are not we're not raider fans necessarily we can take a step back and take a look at it objectively right and have an opinion it was a win but it wasn't a great win, you know. I'm it's not going to sit back and fan. say, "Oh yeah, it was so." You know, I mean, you guys really checked all the boxes as far as going out there and taking out the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to go that route. That route, but I'm going to say, "Hey, you 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 pulled it. You you uh you did what you had to do at home. You knocked off a team that you're better than. The Packers, as you pointed out, also are not a great team this year. And uh, you 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 checked all the boxes and were able to get that W.
3: That's it. Yeah, if I'm a Raider yeah. fan, you know, Chris, right now, if I'm a Raider fan and I'm also a nail biter, I'm down to the nubs. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm worried. Okay. It's just that simple. I'm biting a lot. I'm worried. This is not a team that I, I but again, I didn't have a lot of expectations for this team preseason. So that that it doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. that they're they're where they're at right now. Can they win four the next five? The schedule says yes, they could and they should. I don't think they will. The last thing about the Raiders for left, you mentioned a guy a little bit ago that For a couple of years, he was definitely, I would say, in the top five of slot-wide receivers in the National Football League in Hunter Renfro. Hell of a player out of Clemson. And this guy is just, when you say a possession receiver, you know, the guys that you think of like him are like a Julian Edelman, a Wes Welker. That is the mold of a Hunter Renfro. And they have just completely taken him out of the game plan. Rumor has it that he will not be a Raider for much longer, that they're looking to dish him, to, to put him out, get rid of him. And he's looking to move. I'm not going to say where I heard it from or how I did it Cause I'm kind of sworn to secrecy, but I don't expect Hunter Renfro to be a Raider when they get to the trade, when, when the end of the season comes or when they get to the trading deadline. But I got the question is why, Chris? I mean, I understand Devontae Adams as you said, arguably the best. I would say when he's healthy, Justin Jefferson's the best receiver mm-hmm. in football right now. But Devontae Adams is in the discussion right. for sure. And uh, and and with Josh Jacobs, I mean, statistically the best running back in the game last year. So the skill positions are there. And Jacoby Meyer, um, obviously becoming a prominent player for the Raiders. And they picked up that young tight end who everyone thinks that Mayer out of uh, out of Notre Dame is going to be a yeah. hell of a tight end eventually as well. So you got a lot of skilled position play but Hunter Renfro was a possession guy was a guy when you needed five six yards on third and long he's a guy that was going to get it for you he finds a way to break open he's deceptive you look at him you'd never think he was a national football league player when you stand next to him on the field but this guy is a football player he has that heart Chris and I don't know what's happened whether it has to do with the injury that took him out of most last season is still lingering or if Josh McDaniels just not a Hunter Renfro fan We'll
1: see what happens coming up on uh, Sunday as they take out the New England Patriots to look to continue their winning ways against their AFC foe. It's the T.C. Martin Show. One hour in the books, folks. Hour number two on the way. Brian Feldman. Chris Wynn in for the Dr. T.C. Martin on the road with the Las Vegas Aces. Coming up, top of the hour, Dave Gosher is going to join us. Play-by-play voice announcer, television guy with Scripps Sports, formerly of uh, AT&T Sportsnet, as the... Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, solid start to the season, 2-0 on the year. The defending Stanley Cup champions looking to continue their success. Also, T.C. Martin will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Talk some aces, preview some WNBA, Brian Feldman. How about a little turn the, page
3: by, by, uh, the guy by the, the name that I gave him, the Chuck Buster. Even, you know what? I was in, I was
1: all in my groove, and I wasn't even listening to
3: Bob Singer. he got a turn love it. Going on, this
1: man. is awesome, going all Detroit. Chuck looking out for the Detroit guys here on a Friday on the T.C. Martin here. Show, Feldman. You gotta love it. Right? On the road again. Yeah. TC Martin will join us again, as I said, at the bottom of the hour. Also, our best bets coming up. You can hear what Feldman, what he's picking as far as college picks, pro picks, and C wins as well. If you want to go opposite, which I'm sure a lot of you out there, especially you sports betters, probably going to do. You're going to fade If you listen to Pushing
3: the Limits, you're going to bet the other exactly way. Exactly right.
1: And that's coming up also at hour number two. It's the TC Martin Show on a Friday. AM 1400, also 107.1 FM. KSHP here in Las Vegas and streaming on the World Wide Web at www.tcmmartinshow.com uh, TCM is capitalized, folks. We'll see you in just a couple of
3: minutes.
1: Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around!
0: In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team.
1: Drew one it runs. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's
0: time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A
1: power
2: play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fox. right up front. Younger, fed inside of the net. Score!
1: The Doctor is now in. The Friday edition of the TC Market Show coming away live here. KSHB and 1400, 107.1 FM. The Doctor on the road. He's in Brooklyn getting set for the WNBA Finals Game 3. He's the play-by-play voice over down the dial on ESPN Radio Las Vegas. I'm Chris Wynn, along with Brian Feldman, in on this Friday. If you miss any part of this show or any show, go to the TCMartinshow.com. That's capital T C M TCMMartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from our great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at the Don't forget also, come by and see the show live every Friday at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Now, look, they've been doing the show on Thursdays occasionally here, but uh, as the uh, Ace of Season winds down, they'll be doing more frequently on Fridays, my Brian Feldman, along with Chris Wynn, we, we've hosted some shows out there at the Westgate. It's home of the giant 4K video wall, the world's largest sports book. Watch all the games in comfort of a non-smoking environment. The world-famous Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Brian, always great to join you and uh, chop it up when it comes to all things sports. And, of course, uh, when we're talking sports in Vegas, all things kind of lead to VGK.
3: They do, and real quick, I did just wanted to mention that uh, we're having a giveaway. The Raiders Indoor Tailgate Party is happening this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Raiders versus the Patriots at Slice of Vegas, located inside the Mandalay Bay Shops, in the mall between Mandalay Bay and the Luxor. All you can eat and drink great food from Slice and Husongs. Come by, watch the early games, and eat and drink for free. Call in right now. You can call 702- 2217-283 and win your way into the private VIP Raider Indoor Tailgate Party inside the Marquee Room at Slice of Vegas. Food, drinks, and all games are free, so definitely check that out. We're going to we're gonna give away a few of those right now. And as Chris just mentioned, you can't talk about Vegas. This changed Las Vegas. It changed all of us. It changed the culture of the city and that, of course, is the Vegas Old Knights. In the last six years, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Truly, I say that this is something you wouldn't even have put on your bucket list because the bottom line is, who would think a team could go from a brand new franchise? Not a displaced team that moves to another city, but a team that is literally developed from players that are considered no better than the 10th best player on their teams. And they come here with a chip on their shoulder and look what they have done. It culminated finally in a Stanley Cup championship this last year. Other than one season, this team has been in the postseason every year. Two finals appearances and a Stanley Cup champion and maybe one of the cool rings, coolest rings I have ever seen in my life.
1: And what a way to start the week, right? Where Tuesday they drop the puck at home in the first game of the season against Seattle. You've got the the banner raising that went down and all the all the pageantry that was so very Vegas that went down with that. And the Golden Knights start the season off well, right? 2-0 so far, 2-4-1 wins. And joining us on the airwaves to talk about that, of course, is the uh, television play-by-play voice. Dave Gosher joining us from Vegas 34, Strip Sports. Uh, does a tremendous job on the TV side of things, covering all things VGK. Dave, we really appreciate you spending some time on a Friday. How are you doing, sir?
2: Hey great guys thanks uh, thanks for having me like you said it's been uh what a what a week right between uh, the ring ceremony for the team and Monday night football and a 2 and 0 start it's uh what a uh, what a great start for this group coming off obviously uh, such a great achievement back in June
1: Yes, you're someone who has, you know, worked for other organizations obviously in the NHL with the Boston Bruins prominently of course. And uh so you you've been been around situations like this. But what what do you, what was for unique for you on Tuesday seeing how that all kind of unfolded, right? When uh it came to uh the, you know the fans rolling into T-Mobile Arena and then of course uh everything that transpired with uh the team on the ice and uh how how that display went down with the uh, slot machine on the actual ice.
2: Yeah, the slot, the slot machine was awesome. I can, I can tell you the Bruins didn't have a slot machine when they raised their banner in 2011. No, they didn't do that. So it no. was, uh, no, believe it or not, but no, it was just great to be a part of it. You know, I, I think from, um, you know, just kind of walking the gold carpet and being up on the mezzanine level to, to look over Toshiba Plaza, I was, Shane Nighty and I was standing there and I said, man, I, every time I look at the plaza now, I think of the parade, right? I think of the, Twenty thousand people in the plaza after the um after the championship parade down Vegas boulevard, so yeah, I mean you know the gold Knights do it right, they always seem to kind of just find a unique way to to present things and and I thought that you know the banner raising was was no exception to that um I was honored to be asked to m c the ring dinner at the win on Sunday, which was the best part of that for me was seeing just the players' reactions, you know you open that box. And that ring is, you know, sitting there right in front of you. And I think for a lot of guys, some guys had an inkling what it might look like. Most, I don't think I had any idea. So I think they were, they were blown away and. You know, kind of carry that into, into the festivities and the opener on Tuesday night.
3: Dave, what did you and Shane think of the rings? I mean, all the announcers got one. I mean, I don't know if you guys got the exact same ring of the players and I've seen a lot of championship rings in my life up close. I have never quite seen anything like this where the top actually comes off and you have the rink in the stadium underneath it. One of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. And I'm not sure that any professional franchise before has given pendants to the wives of the players. I've never seen it. Maybe it's, it's a tradition. I I haven't seen it before, but those are about as nice of pendants as you're ever going to see. I mean, if you didn't get rings and you got a pendant, people would probably be okay with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. We and we haven't just to answer your question, we haven't gotten ours yet. I think we're, um, I think we're going to get uh, some sort of a ring next month. But that, and I've seen the pendant thing before. The pendant alone would just be unbelievable. Um, but to actually have the top of that ring come off and you could wear it as a pendant, the detail. Um, the things they thought of, you know, the nine marks, you take the top off the nine spots on the ice where the nine shots went, came from in the clinching win against Florida. Um, you know, the, to have the six rows, six rows of diamonds for the Stanley Cup because they won the cup in their sixth year. They had six diamonds on the side, six stars on the side of that same thing for cup and six. Um, they had of each series on the side of the ring. So, you know, I was lucky enough to get one in Boston. And, you know, that was 12 years ago, but this one is just 12 carats just blows you away. Like it's, it's everything you could have thought of. It seemed like they thought of it and, um, you know, creative team with, within the organization and without just, um, just did a terrific job. I actually just left a, uh, Shane and I were emceeing a little bit of a, um, a business luncheon down on the strip and just left a little while ago. And there were some members of our organization, including George McPhee who, who, uh, gave a great speech today and they all had their rings on. And it's just, you know, it stops people in their tracks because you, you want to get the story and you want to see the detail. And I think that's just one of the, one of the greatest things about this whole, this whole run is, you know, to cap it off with a night like they had on, on Sunday.
3: No, and 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 maybe the greatest championship ring ever. As you mentioned, I was just going to say, looking at it, I was checking it out when I was there on the opener night. They actually had a sample of it so people could see the pendant in the ring. And every single thing on the ring has meaning to it. The amount of diamonds on the front represent the number of teams in the National Hockey League. As you said, the stars on the side next to the cup represent six seasons to win the cup. Everything has significance. I've just never seen anything like it. And I'm telling you, Bill Foley and then Mark Davis the Raiders. Raiders. Raiders, what what he did for the Raiders and the Aces with their rings, I mean, these guys are setting a bar that a lot of other runners, man, we got to get those checkbooks out if we win a championship, because that's what's going on here, but Dave, the magical run of this team from 2017 to now... um, I have never, as I as I as I preluded before the show, I've never seen anything like it. I wouldn't have wasted time putting something like this on a bucket list because who could even fathom something like this was possible? That you could put together an expansion team that would have this kind of immediate success, and not just success to say, "Hey, they're pretty good. They're over 500. They make the playoffs," but a team that immediately and throughout their tenure to this point has been able to compete for the the ultimate prize in sports, the Stanley Cup, every year. I don't think Vegas fans realize, Dave, how spoiled they actually are.
2: Yeah, you know, if you look around the league, right, if you're a fan of the Buffalo Sabres or the Columbus Blue Jackets, or you could go right on down the list, you know, the Minnesota Wild, I mean, they've never you know, been able to get to the point of winning a Stanley Cup or you know, the Sabres have been to the went to the final once. Uh, Minnesota's never got that far. Columbus has never got that far. So yeah, I, and I, I agree with you. Look, I, I don't think any of us ever in a million years would have thought it would become all this, right? I, I Just quickly. Um, you know, I remember, guys, I'm old enough to remember when the Ottawa Senators came into the NHL in 1992, they won 10 games. That's a long season. So the fact that these guys were able to break through, you know, I, I mentioned I just left this luncheon where George McPhee was the, the featured speaker, and I will say they they wanted to, right off the bat, be very competitive. They weren't going to be content just kind of, you know, dipping their toes into the water. They wanted to build this to be a championship contender every year from year one. They didn't want to wait five or six years. They wanted to, to build this the right way and and build a championship team. So, you know, credit to everybody. And look, guys, it's that leads to hard decisions. You know, we all know they've made trades that have been unpopular. They fired two coaches, but they also just had a championship parade here in June. So, um, you know, they've been committed to that since the beginning of building a winner here. And, you know, great for all of us involved in the organization, but also for the people that that have come to love this team so much.
1: Dave Gosher joining us, television uh, play-by-play host with uh, Vegas 34, the Vegas Golden Knights. Two games into the regular season, defending their Stanley Cup championship as they get the win uh, 4-1 to in San Jose last night. They'll be back here in town tomorrow as they take on the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night, and then on Tuesday as well against the Dallas Stars. So uh, two games up, two games uh, that they've got uh, been victorious, uh, Dave. Uh, so far, so good. One game with uh, Aiden Hill between the pipes for them one game with Logan Thompson in there in San Jose yesterday so uh pretty solid way to start your season i guess right when uh you're talking about defending a Stanley Cup and uh and after as the changes you just mentioned have taken place uh look pretty good so far uh in the first two games
2: yeah and it's always
1: that's always kind
2: of the the wild card right i think when you i was thinking back to when the bruins won it when i was around that team 12 years ago you know that next the start to that next season can be very difficult you know you're playing these games at the highest level possible in june you win the ultimate prize and the next thing you know it's the middle of october and i think human nature being what it is at times it can be hard to to generate the intensity that you need to win games now that being said, it hasn't been a problem for this group. You know, I, I thought it took them a little while, guys, the the opener, and, and understandably so. I mean, the the cup banner, the cups in the building, the video, the whole nine yards. Was that game ever going to start, um,
1: Dave? I mean, it's, it seemed yeah, like it was never going to get dropped. They, that puck they, already, they,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, when they dropped the puck at midnight, it exactly. was, uh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, once they finally got going, it, it took them even longer to get going, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were pretty businesslike. I mean, you know, we, as we sit here now, they've got uh, four to one wins and they've got two, two, four to one wins and eight different goal scorers in the eight games. So I do think that's something they can rely on uh, in the eight, for, you know, for the eight goals. I think they can rely on, on their depth, which is being tested already, right? Without white cloud, without Martinez, Carrier got injured, howden suspended, Petrangelo took a puck in the head last night, which is, uh, you never want to see it, let alone in a four, one game with four minutes left. So, um, there's no question they'll hit lulls in their season guys, but I think their depth will be a big part of them getting through that. I think they'll look for times during the year to maybe give them an extra rest, gives gives them some time to decompress because they really didn't have much of that this summer. Um and it's hard, you know, you marvel at these teams like Tampa that won it back-to-back and went to the final three years in a row. I would say this. I think they have as good a chance of anybody, it, you know, at least to get back there. Can they win it again? Sure. Um that's a long way between now and June, but um, again, going back to you know the previous question, they, they have built this to be a legitimate contender every year. I think if you make the playoffs, you think you have a chance. But then you can narrow it down to even fewer teams than that that really, really have a legitimate chance. And, and obviously, this team is one of them.
1: Dave, you're somebody that made the transition from the Boston organization out here to Las Vegas. Ironically, same situation, right, with Bruce Cassidy making the transition from the Boston Bruins organization out to here to Las Vegas. I have to get your take uh, just overall on your impressions of Bruce here as the head coach in Vegas. To me, a quick comment, I think it is a solid fit across the board. Now, myself, along with Brian Feldman, we are both Detroit Red Wings guys. Grew up in Detroit. We're, you know, we're very familiar with our friends. Franchise, so we did have a, uh, an affection for Gerard Gallant, as uh, rightfully so, and uh, I think that he, I think he, he is a solid coach. But uh, just your impressions of Bruce, of uh, what he brings to the table here as the head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the
2: first thing, guys, would be accountability. You know, uh, Bruce is, um, you know, he's pretty direct and to the point. And I, you know, we noticed it last year, guys, when we were calling preseason games before last season and there were times Jonathan Marshall, so would take a seat on the bench and Phil Kessel would take a seat on the bench. And I, I think that it, you know, it's easy to grab the low hanging fruit, right. And maybe sit, you know, on the, somebody on the third or fourth line. Um, that's not how he operates. And now I do think that, you know, look, the team responded to that. And, uh, I think guys want to be coached and, you know, they want to, they want to be held accountable. So I think that's probably the biggest piece he brought to it. I also think they, that, you know, the structure they play with, one of the reasons I, I think they were able to kind of survive this five different goalie thing last year is they play so well defensively five out of five. You know, they try to make it pretty predictable for their goalies. Don't, don't put them in a tough spot. Um, and I think that, that bore through as the season went on. Um, you know, they did not have, I mean, Jack Eichel's a superstar player, but, you know, Jack didn't have a hundred points last year. I mean, some of that was he missed time due to injury, but, you know, they, they did it as a complete team. I mean, they ran into Edmonton in the second round and Dry and McDavid, but, You know, past that, they, you know, their lack of depth costs them again. So I think that's, you know, that's an area that they rely on too. I mean, Bruce is pretty big on playing as much as you can, playing everybody. Play your four lines, play your three sets of defensemen. You know, there's times you have to shorten the bench, so be it. But, um, that's the biggest part of it. So now the test is going into a second year. Um, I think he trusts these guys a lot. Why wouldn't you? You just saw what they did in the playoffs and 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 winning the Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, and I knew Bruce a little bit from, you know, when I was in Boston. He was in the organization for a long time between Providence and Boston. And my mm-hmm. last year doing the games, um, uh, Bruce took over about three quarters of the way through the season uh, with the Bruins, and we were together a couple of months. And then I came out here, but we uh and 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 Shane played for the Bruins. So when Bruce got out here last year, we were just. We just laughed. We're like, it's Boston West for God's sakes. You know what's going on here? You wouldn't. You would never. You would never dream it. But it's. Uh, it's obviously turned out great for all of us
3: talking with Dave Gauchery of course is the play-by-play television voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Script Sports Vegas 34 on Fox Dave, a couple of people I want to ask about, a couple of names right now, let's start with this name first, Aiden Hill last year when he was picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights, I remember on the show I do on Fox, I was talking with Chris Chapman, my producer, and we were having a conversation about who are the Vegas Golden Knights going to pull, pull bring up or bring aboard after it was determined that Robin Leonard would be out for the entire season, I I had brought up Aiden Hill as one of the guys that made sense that they were looking to get rid of, you know, looking to move him. And he would make sense as maybe a guy to come in and play behind Logan Thompson. No playoff experience either, but just a guy that seemed to fit monetarily. They bring this guy and then and, and Chapman, I'll never forget. I just gave him crap about it. He goes, he goes to me, he goes, they don't want him. And I mean, you know, and then a week later he was on the team, he goes, well, I guess you were right. And I say, hey, listen, I'm not going to take any credit for thinking that Aiden Hill would be anything other than a backup goaltender. I would say I was dead wrong. And anyone else that's out there that says, yes, we know Aiden Hill was a bit of a late bloomer at every level, but still no one could have seen this coming. And I said in game one, watching them, you know, before in the warmups, when they were getting warmed up, I said, man, How much confidence do you think is inside of Aiden Hill right now? This guy is absolutely playing with house money. What he did last year was unprecedented. He definitely won the job, although we know that Bruce Cassidy is fair, and he remembers Logan Thompson, the start he had the last season. For God's sakes, he was an all-star, so he's definitely going to see the net. But what Aiden Hill did was almost as miraculous as what the Golden Knights have done over their sixth, now in their seventh season. This guy just basically came out of nowhere, and he's only in his late 20s. He's not Not as old as some people think. He's a younger guy. This guy. Are we watching a superstar develop here in Aiden Hill, Dave? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean, you know, will he be a
2: guy that wins a you know a Vesna down the road? I'm not sure if that's the case. I got to tell you this. You know more than me because when they traded for him, I I had to go to the hockey DB page and and, then who's this guy they picked up? So. You know, good on you. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, he's somebody, guys, that last year, I think, kind of found his game as the season went on because he started to play more as the season went on, especially after Logan Thompson got hurt, and then Hill got hurt, and then Bruce Waugh got hurt, and then they other go back to Hill. So, no, I, I think he's somebody, though, that, look, is still trying to establish himself, you know, as a as a if not a number one, a one a and a one b in the league, be you know be it his time in Arizona or his time in san jose so and and good for him to get rewarded with a good contractor in the off season um I couldn't have been happier for him. he's been great to deal with over the last season, and to find his game and to be on his game in the middle of a playoff series, you know he jumps in when browagen had hurt in that Edmonton series that's not easy you know he hadn't he hadn't he hadn't played. Hadn't played a lot because Brochu had taken over that number one role, and he's got to deal with McDavid and Drysaddle right off the bat. Um, It wasn't a problem for him, so um, you know, and I think that's kind of how to be how it goes for these guys. You know, you've got him and him and Thompson. um, The league has really kind of turned away from playing a guy sixty five games anymore. Anyways, it doesn't really seem to happen. So yeah, you know whether you know can Aiden eventually be one of the top 3 goalies in the game or top 5 goalies in the game? I right? sure it's I think it's it's feasible because he's he's an athletic guy. You know, if you if you watch him and you see him, he's got an athletic build and he's a very athletic guy. So um, sure, I think anything's possible when it comes to his his future, his present and his future with this team.
3: I'm going to leave it like this, food for thought, and I said it on my show at the time. I said, I look at Aiden Hill, and I think Aiden Hill ought to pay royalties to Jonathan Quick, and people say, why do you say that? I'll go, the day they picked up Jonathan Quick at the trade deadline, Aiden Hill had the best game of his career against Dallas. Do you think that at all, and I'm not asking you the question, I put this out to my audience, I said, do you think at all that might have been a correlation that Jonathan Quick comes aboard and Aiden Hill says, hell, I want to be on the bench in the playoffs, I got to show these guys what I can do. And then he played. And I was really surprised when Brosaw went down that they didn't give Quickie a shot and goal. They went back to Aiden Hill. And boy, he said, now that I'm here, I'm staying. And he stayed. The other name I wanted to talk to you about, Dave, before we let you go, because it is just about time to do that, was a guy that you talk about Bruce Cassidy and, you know, the way he leads and, and, and he's incredible. One of the things he did, which was kind of a, a little bit, I don't want to say even bad, but Phil Gessel no longer with the Golden Knights. Because he didn't make the Golden Knights this year, Nobody has picked him up. He's an unrestricted free agent. And quietly, the longest Ironman streak in the National Hockey League comes to an end without really any fanfare. I'm a little surprised about that. I'm a little surprised nobody gave Phil a chance because I read he does want to play still. But even if he comes back and plays now, you can't count the streak because the season has started and he wasn't part of it. Um, thoughts about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Phil's a guy that uh, loves the game, right. And still wants to play, as you said. Um And I was a little surprised somebody didn't, didn't take a fly on, flyer on him, to be honest with you. I mean, last year, I don't have been in front of me. They have 13 goals, 15 goals. I mean, he had double digits and goals. Yeah. Right. And, um, I think could still be a, a productive guy in the league. Um, you know, that streak is, it's remarkable. And I think of it this way, guys, Look, it, it's such a, you know, it's a dangerous game, right? And you'd figure at some point, just law of averages, you'd get hit with something that would cause you to not play, right? And I'm sure there's times over the course of that streak, over the last, what was it, 14 years, there were, I'm sure, were nights where maybe he shouldn't have played, but played through stuff. So, um, yeah, and I but I do wonder, you know, the streak being what it is now and over with, but does the team kind of look at him? And, you know, I mean, as you get into the first month of the year and say, you know what? He could give us a bit of a, a shot of adrenaline. He could still score. He could be productive on the power play. Um, and good on, on him too. Look, it, Phil's had a, I was with him when he came into the league in Boston a long time ago and then, you know, got moved to Toronto and has been around a little bit. Obviously a couple of cups in Pittsburgh and another one last year. Um, you know, for a guy that was a real high pick by the Bruins back in, whatever that was, 2005 or 2006, um, he's had one heck of a run for himself, and I, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if I'm scrolling online and he pops up somewhere, because I, I still think he can be an effective player in the league.
1: He's the television play-by-play voice with uh, Scripps Sports, Vegas 34, Dave Gosher Or the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll take on the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night here at uh, T-Mobile Arena as the uh, Golden Knights are to go 3-0 on the season. Started off uh, impressive so far with uh, two victories in a row, and uh, you do a tremendous job Dave, you along with uh, Shane Knighty, your partner there. Now, you and Shane, Shane comes pretty strong with the thread and the wardrobe game, right? Dave, Uh, do you, do you get the impression? Do you, do you have a feeling sometimes that you're kind of like the, you're kind of like the Ron McClain to the Don Cherry that is Shane Knighty uh, on a daily basis uh, with uh, all the threads that he comes strong with?
2: Yeah. It's hard to compete with that. You know, it's, uh, he's, uh, but you know, that's his thing. I will tell you this: I've learned a lot from Shane in the suit department over the last six years. Cause when I, when I got here, my old job, obviously was on the radio doing the Bruins. I think I had three suits. I think I had the blue, black, and brown, right. Just had the three, the three standbys. So, uh, you know, now we go to the same, same people to get our suits by and large. And, um, you know, he's, he's, but I don't really try to compete with that because yeah. it's it's really not much of a contest so uh i i always like he had this silver jacket on the other night for the home opener and but it's uh no i love it he's uh he loves fashion he loves he loves the clothes thing and um and i've yeah, we—he and I were joking around about it the other day. I've had—it's forced me to kind of pick up my game. Not—not not to the level of his game. That's a whole—that's a whole different level. But uh at least, hopefully, my suits are a little bit more presentable now than they were six years ago.
1: Absolutely. And they are, sir. You do, you, you're, you're looking uh, spiffy yourself there. <laughs> I was going to say, on they're the going to have
3: to really step yeah. up the suit game even more with that ring, because that ring's going to cost more than probably the wardrobes that we have. So, uh, you Yeah, could, that's a good
2: point. You know, that's a really good you point.
3: you got to really go out yep. and get something to complement that ring when you wear it. And to that point, Dave yeah. and
1: Brian, on the ring, the only beef I have with the ring, right, the inside where it shows all the detail and the arena, it doesn't show where Dave Gosher and Shane Knighty and, and Chris Wynn and Brian Feldman are hard at work. There's no press box on the ring. You got you got the stands there but there's no there's no definitive view. Of where you're going to work, Dave Gosher and Shane Knight and, and uh, C. Win and uh, Feldman there, but uh, that was my only beef. Uh, Tongue in cheek,
2: Well, if you can if you can figure out where the Bud Light Lounge is, that's where Shane and I are yapping away every game. So if you can <laughs> if you can envision that in your mind when you when you open up the rings.
3: That's He is stuff. Dave Gosher, and I'll tell you what, we appreciate you taking time out. I know you just flew back in last night from the game or, the, or today, and I know you had an earlier commitment. Uh, to, tomorrow night we got another Vegas Golden Knights game. Hopefully three and uh, three and uh, three and zero uh, uh, on the season to start but um the last thing i'll ask you we'll let you go is your prediction for this year obviously last year was an amazing run dave can they repeat and what is it going to take for them to do it
2: sure yeah sure i think they can repeat i think they're built to to make another good run for it you know i i always think guys look that the the great wild card in all this is health right and we've talked about this in in some of our preseason games and then even again last night you know, they come back with, I think it was 22 returnees from last season. And, but already you've got two defensemen out, a forward out, and another forward suspended. And they get a scare with Petrangelo last night. I think he's going to be fine. But, um, last year they got hit with injuries. Bad again. The biggest difference was they were able to get everyone, the band all got back together by the time the playoffs started. You know, they got Mark Stone back among others. So. Um, that's always the big part of it. You know, can you, and can you stay healthy as the playoffs go on? I think by the time you get to the final, everyone's probably relatively healthy, but you know, they were by far playing their best hockey when the playoffs started, you know, had, they had a great second half, especially after the all-star game. So yeah, I think they're capable of, of repeating certainly, or at least making another, another run. Um, can they do it? I you know. That remains to be seen. We always say it's a long way from October to June and there's a lot that goes on. During the course of a season, Um, but credit to everyone that is in charge of building the team. They have put them in a terrific spot where um, you know I think they have a legitimate chance to make a good run. I was I was saying to George McPhee at this luncheon earlier today. I've heard players say if you win a cup, you'll do anything to want to win it. You know to win another one to have that feeling again. And uh, now that they've got everyone on this team that's uh, you know got a cup ring and some have multiple cup rings, um, you know why not do it again? Why not do it again? Same time, same channel next spring.
1: Dave Gosher, television broadcaster with the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights on Scripps Sports, Vegas 34. Dave, we really appreciate you spending some time on Friday. Have a great weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again sooner than later. Okay, sir?
2: All right. Sounds great, guys. Good to be with you. Take care.
1: Thanks, Dave. There you go. Dave Gosher, voice of the—look, here's the deal. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, gentlemen, and uh, T.C. Martin Show listeners out there. It's one of the best teams in the NHL, well, here's the, last the Vegas thing I'll Golden say Knights are, are one of the best teams. With, They're going to be right there when you're talking about a discussion for the for uh, an opportunity for a back to back Stanley
3: Cup. The best team in the league right now. And all I'll say is this: one thing I will not do, and I'm knowledgeable, Chris. You are. We love the game of hockey, and I mm-hmm. know a lot about it. I have learned right now that. When it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights, I will never question George McPhee or Kelly McCrimmon and their decisions anymore because look what they have done. You want to talk about putting the right pieces in place. These guys have put together the greatest jigsaw puzzle I have ever seen in the shortest period of time I have ever seen, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights. This is the T.C. Martin Show. I'm Brian Feldman, sitting next to Chris Wynn. We are pinch-hitting today for the doctor himself, T.C. Martin, who will be back with you next week in New York to hopefully see the Aces close out to Liberty, and right when we get back... We will be joined by the doctor himself, and we've also got best bets coming up right around the corner, the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good.
1: T.C. Martin Show is rolling along on a Friday. Chris Wynn, Brian Feldman, in for the Doctor as we get set for another jam-packed weekend of the world of sports, T.C. Martin. uh, We'll be back in the mix next week. We'll we'll be able to figure out that schedule as the WNBA Finals proceed. Game 3 tip-off is coming up on Sunday. And joining us right now on the line is the host of this show, the illustrious, the talented, the play-by-play voice of those defending WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces, as I pointed out, they will tip off at noon on Sunday, nationally televised game. But if you're here in Vegas, you got to move on down the dial, the ESPN Las Vegas, and listen to our guy, T.C. Martin, here on the line with us, with Brian Feldman, with Chris Wynn. T.C., what's going on, my friend? It's great for you to join us on your show, sir. (laughs) <laughs> it,
0: it's great to join you uh, three thousand miles away, coming to you from downtown Brooklyn, baby. Call it Crooklyn, call it Brooklyn, call it what you want. I'm going by some playground right now. I got next. I got next.
1: There's got some some, there's probably going. some old school ballers that are floating around our age group TC that are out there still <laughs> hooping it up a little bit. I, I'd expect that's the case, my friend. There's no doubt.
0: There's no doubt. Yeah. The you know the sun going down here, darkness setting upon Brooklyn, the Barclays Center here uh looking forward to Sunday man but uh yeah yeah just 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 got in today and uh, uh nice nice weather day here in Brooklyn as well too so not nearly as nice as Vegas but uh yeah guys we're looking forward to Sunday it's uh you know we are one win away from uh the back-to-back titles so we'll see what happens on on Sunday
1: as TC points out they're up 2-0 in the series they get the win on Wednesday night over the Liberty 104 76 the final there what seventy four points I believe from uh, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young. You got double double work from Asia as well as uh, as as uh, uh, Chelsea Gray as well too as they uh, get the uh, astounding win. I gotta say, TC and Brian, uh, taking a look at this series, it is not shaked out from a standpoint of a of, from a physicality standpoint, especially how I thought it would in this series. Right when you looked at this and you saw the matchup between the New York Liberty in the Las Vegas Aces. I just thought that it was going to be a, a more difficult type of deal for the Aces from that standpoint, TC, when uh, we came into the series after seeing what the results were throughout the regular season between the Liberty and the Aces.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely the, uh, the Liberty have had the advantage over the Aces when it comes to rebounding. You know, Coming into this series, they had, uh, out-rebounded the Aces in four of the five games but what you see here guys and what i've noticed here is just a a change uh, in in the aces as far as okay they got their rest uh they closed the regular season you know with with uh, with uh, you know a few home games and then they never had to leave the road again because they swept chicago in two games and then they took care of dallas and those uh, two opening games they only had one road game and then they came back to to open the finals so they're well rested they're well prepared and they remember uh what happened to them in most of those games against New York where they got out a rebound. And believe me, during that week of practice before the finals, it was a point of emphasis for Becky Hammond. And she says, we have got to match up with them physically. Now, just like Dallas, who was the number one rebounding team, New York is right is right behind them at number two, and the Aces are down like like you know, you know, fifth in the league in rebounding. Everything else, the Aces are number one in every other statistical category but they made a point of emphasis. They are not going to get pushed around. They're going to bully the bully, and that's exactly what you saw. But, you know, really, uh, this series has kind of played out the way all the matchups in the regular season has. The home team has dominated. There has not been one close game in the, well, now what, you know, it's, uh, seven matchups that, they, that they've gone against each other. We have not uh, uh, seen, um, you know, anything within single digits or even close. I mean, these games have been basically over. Uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, kudos to the aces for making those adjustments and, you know, not being intimidated. They have the ultimate confidence. Uh, they're undefeated in the postseason. And you got to remember that New York lost the opening game of each of their previous series, and now they lost the first two here. So we're seeing the chemistry issues are starting to, you know, come to fruition again with New York, which they had those problems earlier on the season. And with the aces, you're seeing the veterans, you're seeing, uh the chemistry and you're seeing uh their attitude is saying no one's gonna come and knock us off. They're tired of hearing about the Liberty, uh potential- you know, being the favorite in this series and the East Coast bias, everything that went down from the, you know, Asia Wilson and not getting the M V P and finishing third. They were just sick and tired of it. And uh, you know, ESPN and the national media were saying, Well, hey, you know, the Liberty are probably gonna win this series and, you know, when you look at it from a betting perspective, it was basically, um, you know uh, on the money line, pick them for the series. So yeah, the aces are, they've shown up. They've showed up. They've showed out. Uh, they're physical. And as we've seen, they've, uh, you know, shot the ball extremely well, 53 and 55% from the floor in the first two games.
3: You know s d c and the, and the one thing with the aces there are a lot of things. one thing they are not based on statistics is they are not deep. This is a team that pretty much uses six players on the floor and if uh, Candace Parker had been healthy, I'm sure she would be seeing some action as well, especially with the size factor that the aces have gone up against. but it is amazing when you look at the fact that you're looking at basically a six player team for the most part that with a physical team like New York, a bigger team like New York that this team not only hangs with them but they can blow them out and it says a lot for the prowess and the mental fortitude of this team how much of this, now we know that Asia Wilson is the force that not doesn't just drive the Las Vegas Aces she drives the WNBA I'm not going to waste time going on the MVP because anyone that doesn't know that story by now probably isn't a fan of the league and realizes uh, how, Ace, how Asia Wilson simply got shunned this year, there's no better way to put it, how much of a factor TC do you think that plays into not just this series but throughout the playoffs because here's the one fact that there is: the Aces have not lost a game in the playoffs to this point. And yes, it's going to be a tough road to haul on Sunday because New York plays so well at home. But I could see the Aces winning that game and literally going undefeated through the playoffs. That's pretty spectacular. And does any of that play a role? Maybe with Asia Wilson getting even more juiced up by the fact that she was shunned the way she was? No question.
0: And then you know, privately she even said that. I mean, I remember the day that that it came out, you know, that uh, she didn't win it and. And she was crushed. She used the the, the terminology that she was crushed. And she says, hey, it is what it is. And now it's just more motivation to win another championship and maybe even an MVP. Uh, we got to see how this thing shakes out because right now the leading candidate for the MVP is Jackie Young and maybe Kelsey Plum. But, you know, the aces are just doing this by committee. Uh, And let me go to your point, Brian, regarding uh, the depth here. Everybody always thought that the depth was going to be an issue. Depth is only an issue when you get into foul trouble, and I've said this during the course of the regular season when the playoffs started, and it, it, when you have, um, you know, your roster is shrunk anyway. I mean, every team shrinks their roster in the postseason because you're talking about a 40-minute game. Are you still got six fouls to play with? And the Aces have never been in foul trouble. Asia Wilson has never fouled out of a game. Uh, rarely do you see Aces players even get four, you know, in a game. So I really wasn't concerned about uh, the depth because, especially with the schedule, when you've got sometimes two and three days off in between games because of the ESPN and ABC television schedule. So yeah, that's that's really not that much of a concern. And the Aces have have you know put that you know to the side. But you know yeah, so you know your your two part question there. Yes, Asia Wilson's fueled by it. Uh, the bench really you know not not that factor uh, until there's an injury or serious foul trouble.
1: TC Martin joining us. He's the host of this show, TC Martin show. He's also the voice of the defending WWE champion, Las Vegas Aces. Game three tips off at noon Pacific time. It'll be three o'clock where TC's there in attendance uh, with the play by play over on ESPN radio for game three of the WWE finals between the Aces and the liberty talking about that uh, point you brought up uh, TC regarding the teams and their records a little bit of wild numbers here because you think about it right the new york liberty team solidly with the second best record this year at home at 15 and 5 ironically the same record that the aces had on the road this year uh, as well uh, and uh, new york also ironically uh, was a better team actually away from uh, brooklyn than they were at home 17 and 3 on the road but talk about the uh, that atmosphere there right we all understand and this is not us being biased this is not being us being uh backers of the aces or 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 all things michelobolch arena it is the premier venue in the wnba here in las vegas when it comes to the game day experience talk to us tc about what is going to go down there on sunday in uh, game three of the wnba finals Mm -hmm. as far as the atmosphere at barclays center with the new york liberty and their fans
0: Well, let me tell you, uh, the Barclays Center is a close second and it is second. Let's be clear about that. Even though the Barclays Center, you know, can hold 17,000. I was here for two regular season games and you got to remember, you know, one game was, they're both in August. One's at the beginning of August. One was at the end of August and they had packed that place. Uh, you know, they had, they had like 12,000 there for, um, you know, for, you know, the Aces and the Liberty. But here's the deal. The Aces fans have been there basically from day one 2018. The Liberty have not been good. you got to remember, and they bounced around a little bit. This is only the second season back here, really, in the city of New York and Brooklyn. They were playing up in Westchester before, and, you know, again, they really didn't have much of a home court advantage playing in a smaller venue, and they were really disconnected out of the city, playing way out in the suburbs. But it wasn't until they got the new ownership, uh, the Brooklyn Nets ownership, and they brought him into this, this beautiful building. And I was blown away by the building. I was blown away by the crowd and the atmosphere. And you know how it is guys. Once you start winning, then, then, then the crowd comes out. And you know, we see the celebrities, you know, whether they're athletes or they're, you know, musicians or, you know, artists or whatever it is, movie stars. Uh, at the Michelob Ultra Arena. But you get that New York vibe side of things, you know, at, at those games. I mean, just at the, the the two regular season games. So I know that it's going to be packed. And they're going to have the celebrity status, the star factor, you know, on Sunday and then if there is a second game on, on Wednesday. And, yeah, the Aces, honestly, they have not been close in the two games, getting just blown out. I mean, you know, they lost one game by 38 points, you know, to, to the Liberty. And, um, you know, but I, there was a different, there's a different aura about this team now and very curious, you know, tomorrow going to practice and then come the game on Sunday of what the aces demeanor is, because I did notice a different demeanor, kind of a taken back, uh, demeanor, uh, in those other two meetings. But now that since they've been rolling, they've won 11 straight games now. Uh, and again, they're on this mission and they're up two games to none. I know they're going to play very, very loose and they feel, Hey, we are the better team right now. But I will tell you, New York will become uh, they will be ready to play. They will come to play because as far as they're concerned, and they've told me this, they said, hey, the Aces haven't done nothing yet. You know, we, they did what they're supposed to do. You know, they held serve. And as we know, you know, the series doesn't start until the visiting team wins, right? But in this situation, because it's only a best of five series, first one of three wins, ACEs win, then it's all over. So uh I expect a wild, crazy uh electric atmosphere, just like we've seen in games one and two. That's what we're going to get here in Brooklyn.
3: Well, TC, I'm telling you what I'm doing in our end for my job to make sure the Aces win. I am not going to let Chris, Chris win get anywhere near betting on this game. And he's, I told he's him he's holding me away from I my told phone. Him, TC, if, if he's he trying to pull me away right now, if he bets on this game, he is going to bet on the New York Liberty. I already told him that. That's the way it's going to go because uh, the Aces, I think, and 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 the truth of the matter is, I really do think that everything shifts now. I think the Aces are a different team, TC, and I think there is a motivation because how cool would it be? Uh, if the aces literally. Uh, swept the entire playoffs. I mean, that is gigantic. And that is something they are on the precipice is doing. And because of that, I think that, uh, the aces are going to be motivated. I think they would love to show everyone. Asa Wilson's the, uh, Asia Wilson's the MVP. And we were undefeated through the postseason. We're the best team in the league and she's the best player. And I think that will accentuate that. Listen, uh, I want to get to the best bets today. I know that's a big segment of the show. We're kind of all excited about it. So while the, while the fire engines and the police run past DC, we're gonna get the best bets.
0: Brooklyn, baby. This is New York City, guys. This is what you got
3: live and in color right here.
0: It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action.
3: Here's the best bets. And it is time for the best bets on the TC Martin show. And we are joined by our guest right now, the host of the show, TC Martin, in Brooklyn with sirens going on. And you know what? We're just going to say that's all for the Aces in the future. Will the future be this Sunday? Will it be Wednesday? It's the future. I see it. Chris Wynn, I guess we should start with you, man. We can. Let's start with you. Give me your best pets. Wow,
1: I'm looking at the college slate, guys, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going out on a limb on a couple of these puppies. I'm looking at the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm taking money line, Oklahoma State. Oh, I also like the Cincinnati Bearcats minus the five. Okay so, okay, so we get a one, one, one. Is that how we're doing it? So we're switching it up a little bit. No, I get three. Okay, so I'll go Oklahoma State money line. I'm taking Cincinnati, the Bearcats, minus the five. I think they're going to win by a touchdown plus on that tilt. And I'm going to go against the team that uh, last played UN, uh, that, that UNLV last played. That's the Hawaii Fighting Rainbows, right? Uh, Rainbow Warriors, I should say. Plus the six. I'm taking Hawaii in this tilt tomorrow.
3: Well, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what with my picks, I'm going to start off uh, I'm going to go with a rival school to the school I graduated from. I'm going to go with the Maize and Blue, the Wolverine. I think they are that much better. The bottom line is this Indiana team is not from Hickory. Okay? They're they're from Bloomington and they're going to lose. And they're going to lose bad. It's a 33 and a half point spread. I say Michigan is going to cover that spread and win the game and beat it. I believe it or not, I got to pick against Alabama again. Alabama is geared to play Coast games this year. They They don't have that run away from it. Even though Arkansas has only run two games on the year, I think Arkansas hangs with Alabama. I think they lose, but I think they lose by less than 20, and that's the line. So I'm going to go with the Razorbacks. And finally, believe it or not, Southern Cal and Notre Dame should be a hell of a football game. It's going to be up there in uh, uh, South Bend. Going to be a huge game. The Irish are favored by two and a half. I think the Heisman Trophy winner and candidate again this year, and the Southern Cal Trojans go into Notre Dame. I don't think they just cover; they just get, cover the two and a half points that they're getting. I think they beat them outright. What does TC got? Oh, is he with us? We have
1: TC. We might have lost hey guys. him, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay.
0: No, no, no. I've got away from the, I got away from the, uh, the, the, the siren, the, the police car. Oh, nice. Good shelter inside here, guys. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, uh, some of the people may have been listening yesterday. They got my best best. I'll go over them with you guys again, and uh, love your picks uh, so far today. But I am going to go with the Utah Utes on the college side. Uh, they're they're playing Cal. Cal can do one thing and one thing only, and that is run the football. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the Utah defense does best. They are ninth in the country in stopping the run, and uh, Utah has owned Cal over the years, especially in recent times. So I love the Utah youth at home at Rice Stadium. That is a monster place to play. So uh, I am taking the youth in that one. Game number two. Those Maryland Terrapins gave the Ohio State Buckeyes everything they wanted last week, guys, but they came up a little short. And Tua Jr. has done a fantastic job. This is a nice little bounce-back game for them. I know you got to lay two touchdowns in this, lay 14, but I'm going to take the Terps against the Illini because the Illini, for the most part, guys, are non-competitive. And then we're going to go to the featured SEC game, Tennessee and a and Tennessee only favored by three here. They've had two weeks to prepare for this ballgame. I'm still not sold on Jimbo Fisher. I'm not sold on a and I think it's a short price delay. Give me the volunteers.
1: Bouncing over. Ryan Feldman and T.C. Martin to the National Football League, the C-Win Picks, taking a look at the Carolina Panthers, a team that has been struggling, to say the least, in the NFL. But I've got a feeling, gentlemen, I've got a feeling that they're covering the 14 points. I'm going Carolina okay. plus the 14 okay. in this tilt. Another team that has struggled this year but has had uh, some recent success, I will say. The Chicago Bears. NFC North tilt. The Bears at home taking on the Vikings, a team that's notorious for playing down to their competition. I'm taking the Bears plus the three. I don't think the Bears win, gentlemen, but I think the Bears keep this a one or two-point loss in this game. In my final game of the NFL... Is the Monday night tilt in Los Angeles, the Chargers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going with the Chargers plus the two
3: against the Cowboys. There you have it. C wins picks. And mine are simple. Believe it or not, this is not a homer pick because I'm not from Las Vegas and I don't necessarily pull for the Raiders. I cover them. But I think the Raiders win two in a row. I I like Bill Belichick coming into town. I think uh, you know that would be two wins in two years over the Patriots. But I think Bill Belichick likes to help out his protégés because people criticize him so much. So I think the Raiders cover the three points. They win the game and they beat New England by more than three. I know it's a nine and a half a lot of points to give up, especially on the road, but Cleveland is without Deshaun Watson again this week, and the San Francisco 49ers have the best defense I have seen in probably six or seven years in the National Football League. That defense is nothing short of a juggernaut. The maybe, maybe two of the greatest linebackers since maybe all the way back to the Chicago Bears of 85. These guys are for real. They're the real deal, and I like San Francisco winning that game by more than nine and a half points. And then finally, the Jets, man. The Jets are garbage. I'm sorry, but they are. And Philadelphia is going to going to go in New York. Sorry about that, my producer on the other show down the dial, but I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles to stay undefeated with the 49ers and they will beat the Jets by more than seven points. What's D.C. got for us?
0: Oh, Brian, I love you, man, because you got two uh, two of the three of my picks, brother. You got him. Uh, not much more to say about the 49ers Go with the best team in football. I don't care if you got to lay eight, seven. It doesn't matter because, like you said, no Deshaun Watson. That's fine. You're going to get, you know, give me DTR. Forget about that. No, 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 no. Three interceptions last week. Niners are rolling. You have to prove me wrong. And believe it or not, they've actually done well when they've traveled to the East. I know a lot of people think, hey, you get the 49ers, these West Coast teams that travel East, you know, early morning game, not so fast. What happened opening day? Went to Pittsburgh, blew out the Steelers 30 7. I'm with you. Also, I like the Bengals. As well, too. I think the Bengals are starting to play some some better football last week. Had them last week, going to get right back on them again this week. So I'll take Cincinnati laying two and a half. And then finally, it's all about the Eagles. I'm all about playing good teams, and the Eagles are one of the best teams in football right now. They are starting to roll with that offense with Jalen Hurts and company. So I'm with you, brother. I like Philadelphia. So for me, it's San Francisco. It's Cincinnati coming back strong and the Eagles keep on rolling. Fly, Eagle, fly, baby.
1: Those are your best bets, folks. Brian Feldman, T.C. Martin, the host of the show, and C. Win. Yeah, if you want to take a stab on my picks as well, too. Hey, T.C., uh, enjoy yourself there in and around the Big Apple. Uh, we're looking forward to your call Sunday with the Aces. Uh, hey, hey, and hey, b Spumani Gardens, that's the word I'm getting from some of our uh, hockey media friends as far as a spot in Brooklyn, my friend.
3: I don't want to jinx oh. anything, but T.C., you can shave the finger, the ring finger on your other hand because you're getting another (laughs) ring, brother. That's all I got to say. Go Aces. I cannot see them losing three straight to anybody, let alone the New York Liberty.
0: Yeah, they will not lose three straight. There's no question about that. Guys, the food picks will be coming. Thank you for the tipsy win. Uh, Actually, text me that that name because I'll be diving into some great food here. And I appreciate you guys for filling in today. Mucho gusto. And go to the website. Check out all the best bets at tcmartshow.com. Guys, love you. Take care. See
1: ya. Thanks, TC. TC Martin, please, please. he'll be back uh, next week without question. Thanks to uh, Justin Chuck, Chuck for making us sound the good. The Chuck Brian, Meister. Brian Feldman. Chris Wynn in for TC Martin. Also, follow all things TC Martin at the tcmartinshow.com www. Thanks to Dave Gosher, our guest, as well as a uh, great interview with Brian Feldman and Divine Diablo earlier on in the show as well, too.
3: Ryan Feldman, final words as we head to the weekend. I'm just saying, you know, the only thing better than listening to Alicia Keys is looking at Kate Hudson. and I'm going to leave it at that. Everybody,
1: have a great weekend out there. We will talk to you on the other side of Sunday. Have a great night, everybody.